Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Studio Insights. We've got the whole team here. We've got Kim, Victoria and myself, Hannah. Super excited to get into the episode, share with each other what we've been learning, ask each other questions and take our skills to the next level. Before getting into the episode, if you're watching this, it's likely you're a learning designer and you should check out our Creator Hub because there are so many resources on there for people just like you. There's freebies, there's paid templates, there's courses. So go out and check it out and see what might add value to you. Very popular. It's epic. On that, can I just give a little shout out actually yeah. to James Gilchrist, guitar hero, I'm going to call you James, because <laughs> I know you listen to the podcast, but he gave us a really nice uh, like shout out the other day and he said, and it resonates with what you've just said. It's like, if you do anything in the learning content creation space, you should be following and checking out Bell Vista Studios' posts wherever you find them. So not just us saying it's brilliant, but thank you, James. And thanks for the love. Appreciate that you choose to learn with us. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the episode. Victoria, you can ask the first question. Right. My question is for both of you guys. Um, as always, it's like a two, a sort of a two-parter, <laughs> poorly constructed. <laughs> but the first part is, what do you both think makes someone a good project manager? And as part of that, what do you think that I can do as a project manager to be better for you? I think you, for me, I feel like you're never wondering what's going on with the project is the first thing that comes to mind because you're the one that has the overarching like control and perspective of everything. So, and I only come in, like my role might come in for like a bit of ID or this role in facilitation, or sometimes I'm part of these meetings and then I go off and I'm doing different things. But if I'm never left with, where it comes to my role in the project, questioning anything, like wondering, like, where is this at? What am I supposed to be doing? Then I think you're doing your job very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all of the things within that. <laughs> you have some, Hannah? Yeah, mine's similar, like, for me, because I'm, like, doing tasks within the project. It's really nice, like what Kim was saying, to have access to things. So having my health insights reflect what I actually need to be using for tasks and not wondering whether there's something else I haven't thought about or like something out in the world that I should be considering and I'm not. So I think like task invites are really important. Um, I think as well, like it sounds like obvious, but just like planning the tasks, like scheduling them well, So not like saying you've got like eight hours to do this task and I have literally no buffer time in the day. Mm. I'm under pressure and like feel like I'm not doing my best work. So I think just having like things planned out properly with that buffer time so I can like relax and do things and not rush. (laughs) I'm here to relax. (laughs) I'm here to work. Um. That's all I can think of right now. Do you have anything else, Kim? Um, I think they're things that you do, Vic, but I would like you to maintain them. And I think they are what a good project manager does is 
um, like when it's due and who it's going to, the expected output of the task, like the deliverable. And I think access to our plan, the project management plan allows me to then go see if I need to look at like future tasks, like when might this be coming back? Or I can see it actually in my calendar anyway. It's like the task is coming back from the client on this date. And then, so I think access to information because we all have access to the whole project schedule, even though only certain tasks appear in each of our calendars as an individual contributor to the whole project. But I think access to it is good. Um, and then the duration of your the tasks. I think you have to allow check-in time as well, like outside of the task. I think it's it's kind of like buffer time maybe um, that allows us as team members to come to you and ask clarification questions or seek something, but even um, maybe just like almost a general well-being check as well, like around, like we do with this with the client every week, we've got the one hour weekly catch up where it's like hold, I love that everything non-urgent is held till then, but it's gonna be achieved by like, we have it for our tasks that we're doing in the week. And I'm yeah. wondering like that, I find that very valuable because it's access to the right people all at once where we can get what we need. Um, and there's not as much back and forth because especially where we're at in the project at the moment, it is using a lot of brain, I'd say. I know for me it is, and probably for mm -hmm. Hannah as well, where you don't want the interruptions of like, shit, I need that thing or the answer to that thing. I've got to interrupt someone, wait for it to come back and you're back in flow. So it's better to know I'm going to have access to that person at this time and I can hold that mm. question until then. Um, and then just continue on with my flow so it doesn't stop the process. So I think that kind of general check-in and also like if you check in with us, I think that's useful, like creating opportunity to say, hey, like don't forget you've got time with this, the SME available, like you don't have to use it. But I think, cause that could be something that I might forget if it's not in my task. Mm -hmm. But for me, knowing that that is available, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I don't have to do this alone. Like I have access or like we had time yesterday as a team to like be able to call on each other for support just to bounce ideas around. So kind of enabling those opportunities within the flexibility of capacity that we have um, outside of the task. So I'm not having to go, I've got seven hours for this task. And yeah, I don't, like Hannah said, I don't have buffer time to seek in seek help and also you guys are at max capacity on the same day so then I'd be taking from your task so where possible maybe creating opportunity for that collaboration to have that's probably not planned in the project itself but maybe just like a quick check-in or something more for me or did you want to continue on that Vic or you just I'm just agreeing <laughs> um the other thing was I noticed that you did really well was like future like future planning so thinking about what's happening next week and making sure that everyone has what they need and everything's mm. like going smoothly so I noticed you put in a task 
So I had a task on Monday and you put in a task before that, that you knew would help me to do what I needed to do on Monday. Mm. And it wasn't like planned as part of the project, but it's something that came up in conversation. So it was nice for me not to like start my task and then be like, there's this other thing that we have to do before this. And now I don't have time. Like you scheduled mm. before I started. So I think that was like really good. Like thinking about the future, what I might need yep. to make sure it happened. That was really, really helpful. Um, what else? I think also just like your attitude about things. <laughs> Keep going, your attitude. <laughs> like you're very open to like listening to what like experience I'm having with my tasks and like what Kim was saying before the checking in thing, like you were talking about something. I think I was mentioning something today about my task and you're like, oh, don't forget you have extra time on Monday. Like if you need to do something and stop that task, you've got the extra time. So just like taking the time to support people and like tell them what the possibilities are so they don't like panic and not know what to do. Mm -hmm. That's really good as well. Yeah. Because that lens is really valuable. Like that's the value of a project manager is like, especially where the roles are at the moment is like Hannah and I are very task orientated. And I don't really know what Hannah's up to. She doesn't know what I'm up to. At some point we will come together, but we're very individual at the moment and we're achieving our deliverables. But you're kind of floating around on top of us and I'm saying something to you and you're going, oh, that's important for Hannah to consider. Or Mm. Hannah said something about that yesterday. It's you might like, this is the decision we made. It probably would help you as well. So you're coming in at that lens where we don't have that uh, that information or we're not even in that mindset because we're very task orientated so I do yeah. appreciate that kind of wide high level perspective to because we can't remember everything or we we're not looking at it in that point in time to see everything yeah yeah I do I feel like I do still struggle with that part of it a little bit like if I hear something in a meeting or if someone emails something is like making the connections to think like, who's that going to impact? Mm. When do they need to know by like that? I think I still struggle with that a little bit to know, like, first of all, if, is that even important to like tell someone? Mm. <laughs> and if so, who do I need to tell? When do I need to tell them? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think I find that a bit hard sometimes. Yeah. There's a lot of bits of information. I would say that it's, the one action that you should probably commit to is like when I'm given a piece of information, just say or find out the answer to, is this required to be actioned by anyone um, between now and, because we always do check-ins on Wednesday, right? So midweek, Mm -hmm. is this required for anyone between now and Friday? Or no, actually for you, it should be now and close a business Monday Mm. because on Tuesday is when you go through everything and refresh your cycle of like, where's everything at? So if it Mm -hmm. is required, then you've got to do it as a post meeting action. But if not, you just put it into your kind of to-do list for that Tuesday task and say, review and find the appropriate time for this task. Mm. Yeah, I actually think I have been, that has been like my process because I have like that list of to do yeah it's a list of questions it's a list of questions for you for our Tuesday meeting and it's a list of 
to do things. Mm-hmm. And I think at the moment there's like eight or nine things on there and some of them are red because they're like, I need to keep checking back in to see if it's mm. like, if I, when I've got time, like they need to be done. But there's no specific like deadline. Mm. And then there's other things that are like just at some stage in the whole <laughs> project. <Yeah. laughs> um, whereas I guess some of the, the meeting stuff usually, like if something comes up in the meeting, that's got to be actioned that doesn't normally end up on that list because I usually have like a mm. stricted deadline for it mm. and it will go in the update or I'll tell you yeah. guys do something with this. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I have the right process, but I guess I think it's more like if the client might say something in a meeting and I'm like, I don't know, it like, I don't want to say it goes over my head, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it could just be like a passing comment. And I'm like, I don't think that means anything. But then after the meeting, Kim, you might say, we need to do this with that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think that was a thing. <laughs> like I, I thought that I knew that or like, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. That if I'm not me, super familiar with it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> because like there's so much everything in the world, how you meant to know the mm. answers to anything. Like you yeah. can only do a bit. Um, so I, I'm always of the perspective of like, someone said something for a reason, why have they said it? And if I'm not clear, I just say, oh, can you help me understand why that is relevant? Mm. Cause they brought it up for a reason. And even if they say it as like a fleeting thought, it means that it's in their head. So even though you're not expected to know what that fleeting thought is meant to be mm-hmm. or whatever it is you need to help them think and articulate why they express that out loud mm-hmm. so when when I like would say that to a client I'll say oh can you help me why, understand why that's relevant right now they might just say oh actually that's a note for myself to follow up on and then you know you don't need to do anything it's just they're they were talking out loud um but yeah I think everyone says something for a reason so seek to understand why that might be relevant right now by asking the question. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I know I say a lot of things for no reason. <laughs> well, we ignore you, so just ignore that. Like, <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> it could be vital information or it could be rubbish. Well, I am, I'm thinking, do you know what's coming to mind, actually, is... You know, when someone makes a, a joke comment around like, <laughs> Hannah's laughing. <laughs> around what? <laughs> I try, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm going to make an example. I can't think of a real example right now, but. Um, I don't know if you're in like just a conversation and someone says something like, oh, you'd never like blah, blah, blah anyway, and then laughs it off. There's something in that. Now, you don't know what it is, but there is some reason that someone has made that remark or made that joke out loud. It's an expression of something within them. You like about that. I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe not. Sometimes I make jokes. I'm like, I just pulled that out of. But you're not funny. So that just completely (laughs) just (laughs) defeats the purpose. No, I mean. (laughs) 
But I, I know think... people say like there's always like some if people make a joke, there's always like something, some element of truth mm. or whatever behind it. Like I don't always agree with that because some of my jokes, I'm like, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> no, I think it's when it's a joke, but when it's when it's a joke, a haha, like knock knock who's there, that's mm. different from <laughs> I don't tell it's a funny <laughs> comment. <laughs> a funny comment in response to something else. Okay. I don't yeah I think I get what you're saying because I will I can see how there's like a hidden meaning but sometimes I'll say something that I think is funny you guys don't think I'm funny <laughs> but it'll be like so opposite from the truth that I say it yeah okay well, so but that that is a sign that it's so obviously opposite of what I'm telling you mm-hmm. do you see what I'm saying like I... it's really hard and I'm like you're so lazy mate like I'm saying yeah. you're not lazy like I find that hilarious saying the opposite yeah. that's what I think too I think it's like if you're having a dig at someone as a joke I think there's like it's one of two it's either what you said Kim or it's like there's an element of like truth in it. you actually don't like something about that person or it's like that person is like that dig is like so obviously not, not relevant yeah to that person at all but that's why it's funny or maybe Hannah and I just aren't funny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't make jokes at other people's expense anyway. But maybe you are taking, you could be taking what we say as saying something's the opposite for real if you don't think that. So that's like a miscommunication thing as Definitely. well. Definitely. I know, yeah. Sometimes but- you make jokes, Hannah, and I'm doing like fucking inverted commas and they stretch me the fuck out because I'm like, oh my God, does she really think that? And then I get really <laughs> That does happen, but I say the opposite because I know it's <laughs> Well, thanks for clarifying now. I was just like, oh, she's just saying the opposite. And then I'll like, like, compute what that means. It's I've just stopped ignoring. I've just, sorry, I've started ignoring it. It's how I choose to respond to you is what I'm working on. <laughs> and I just don't find you funny. No. <laughs> it's like when I stop to think about it, that's the truth of it. I'm just like, she is not funny in any situation that I have experienced so far. So I'll stop being concerned about it. No, <laughs> anyway. But I think... <laughs> Roasted. think to understand when it comes to team related work conversations and those with stakeholders very good probably saying something for a reason and you might be able to help them articulate it and they might even say i'm being sarcastic and saying the opposite of what's real (laughs) (laughs) turn honey into a robot But if you ask me that, I'd probably come back with another sarcastic comment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, funny. Sarcasm, people into trouble. (laughs) Not not in our team. (laughs) I've stopped being sarcastic now. Um, The other thing that's coming to mind if we're still on Vic's question is and how funny you guys are not. No, I joke. <laughs> um, I really appreciate knowing something, it, like closing the loop. Like that task is complete. No further action required. Like when I see that, wow. I can just be like, see ya. You're like, mm. so that closing the loop is on a task, on a conversation, on an action, whatever it is. I feel like that's very important. And I feel like 
um, that particularly in that document, how we're turning things green, orange, red, I find that very helpful for me to be able to just go in and find that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And then I think closing the loop as well, another good thing that you do, it's all about fucking blowing Vic's head up massively. I was just here for a couple of minutes, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Is the project update is so de like that detailed that it's just like the go-to place to know what's happened in the last week what's happening in the week coming forward um and i do think that's a really good close the loop thing yeah an accountability kind of crack the whip tool yeah yeah but i never read it no jokes <laughs> <laughs> i'm only messing i was being sarcastic or was i being the opposite of sarcasm <laughs> who will know <laughs> Um, thank you. I think we can wrap that up now. <laughs> Unless anyone else wants to add anything. You're a great project manager, Vic. That's all I'd like to say. Yeah, are we satisfied with her so far? I think if you do the things <laughs> that we said, I'd be at peace. I could retire from the if project management role. Like, <laughs> I would not be at peace. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you <laughs> you are most welcome <laughs> you can ask the next question kim okay my question is how might we start a movement that is led from the ground up so not led by government not led by leadership but by the humans on the ground how might we just looking for ideas please by speaking to them about their experience? By letting them design it? Who's the them? Like anyone in the world? The ground, sorry. <laughs> what? The ground. Like. <laughs> the ground. <laughs> yeah, the ground. Yeah. Humans of the world that yeah. are not in positions of power. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Can I get more specific to a social movement? Um, so not just any movement. Mm -hmm. um, what's the word? Get lots of people involved. Like get How? masses involved. How? By helping them see the why first and recruiting them. Getting them to like see the value before getting them to do anything differently. Mm. Recruiting people that have been impacted by the thing that you're trying to get across. any thoughts that's all right keep going honey i'm appreciating what you're sharing 
I can't stop thinking of everything being sarcastic now, so that's why I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm like, is it? Is it not? <laughs> um, well, giving them a voice. I don't know if that's obvious. Giving them How a would you do that? Give them a microphone. <laughs> Get them to speak somewhere once they've got that drive whether it's like an emotion that's driving them to tell a story or something let them speak making a like a slogan or something that they all use that, that connects them all together having a like champion or someone who's like the leader of that level of people that's one of them that leads the group No protest. Um, connecting with them with people who can actually like make the change at a higher level and helping like that high level understand why it's important. Providing them with funding so they can actually do it and do what they need to do with a like a budget. Um, it's like, it doesn't sound nice, but it's like forcing them to do the thing that results in the social change because like they have to do it to either like, I don't know, keep their job. Like it's part of their, make it part of their day-to-day -day life and something that they have to do. So it just becomes like the norm. Um, raising with them how not making the social change could impact them and people close to them. 
really good, I think. I feel like like when I think back to when social changes happened, it's like someone within that group becomes the leader and they give like a really, present like a really, a, a speech that makes everyone go, oh my gosh, this has to happen now. This has to change. And I think it's the way the speech is written, the way they deliver it and it often connects to something personal to them so other people like relate to it. Mm. and I think they're often not afraid of like society's expectations because they're trying to do something different so they don't ever show like fear of trying to fit in they just go all in on whatever they're wanting to change it's like a like they act like they don't care what other people think they're just like they have a message and they want to get it out and they'll stand up to people who turn it down or tell them they're wrong for doing it. Like they'll vocally stand up to that. They'd also potentially promise people higher up what it can give them. Do something attention-grabbing, something that you wouldn't expect they'd do. Like I know there's been buildings set on fire and graffiti and big like um, street parades and things that weren't expected, something like that that really gets people's attention. They get... They connect themselves with people who have influence in society. So whether it's like speaking on a radio thing, um, speaking to the prime minister and getting him to speak on it, like that sort of, they're connecting with the right people. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking of examples like um, like I think it's Grace Haynes who did the um, spoke up for like sexual abuse and um, victims being able to speak out and what she did um, and her whole thing was like let her speak because she wasn't allowed to speak as a victim and that was like her slogan and then she was finally able to speak and she delivered like a really like she was angry in her speech there was so much emotion and like I think that was really impactful. I'm just trying to think. There was like a movie where the world was ending and the scientists knew that a meteorite was about to hit the earth and no one believed them. And the whole movie was them trying to convince everyone. So I'm just trying to think of what tactics they used in that movie. Did either of you see that? I think it had Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Yeah, and Jonah Hill and stuff. Like I remember them being on news shows and no one was taking them seriously and they're trying so hard to get the message across. I'm just wondering if there's anything from that that actually worked. Statistics. I remember they were telling people like this is like this is it. It's like a one in one thousand chance it's not gonna happen or whatever. 
using that to help people understand. Getting them to experience the impact. So I think at the end when like the meteorite was on its way and it was all too late, that's when people were like, okay, we get it now. Like, what do we need to do? And they're like stressing, trying to like come up with a plan when it was too late. So it's like that sense of urgency or something has is about to go terribly wrong. So you have no other choice. Mm. Um, trying to think of the big short. You know how someone was trying to convince that there was going to be a financial crisis, but no one believed them? Mm. The next one I'm thinking of, if there was anything in that. I think we can learn a lot from movies, basically, and TV, because mm. a lot of it is, a lot of the time it's a main character trying to convince others of something throughout the narrative. Mm. Um, I feel like with that, it makes me think, um, if you're trying to get, like, your message across, not being like super biased with it because I feel like there's always like conspiracy theorists and stuff and usually if you've come up with some like new movement or new idea like there's going to be a lot of people who are like that's ridiculous sort of thing mm. and if you are just like too intense on that one thing then people just won't listen to you regardless because it's like mm. might seem out there or crazy you need to have some sense of like you understand why people think the way they do but there's like this other way of thinking as well yes mm -hmm. What I get from that and a bit of what Hannah was saying at the end there um, is that you need to see yourself in the leader, the cause or the people involved. And also the solution needs to seem so obvious that you wouldn't not do it. Mm. Because I think of the big short, it's like that would never happen. Like that's ridiculous. We have trust there. And it's like, that's why no one reacted. Mm. And a lot of times it is like, it's not in your face, like you say. So we have to present it so easy that it's just like, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Yes. I just thought of something else. So I listened to like a, I listened to a podcast called Scamfluencers. Okay. It was this guy who scammed people. It was a Ponzi scheme and he scammed people like $200 million was the, how much the whole thing was. Mm. Just like it was the way he presented it to them where he said, like, if you invest in this, you, like, there is no way that you will lose. Like, it's 100% going to work. Um, he showed evidence of how other people had made the money and he paid them at the beginning. So they had some bit of evidence and trust that he would be paying them back each time. But as it continued and people kept investing, they didn't get anything future that they invested with him back. So it's almost like give them a little bit of evidence, get them to trust you, act calm and in control of what you're selling and you'll hook people in before they realise <laughs> that it's a scam. This studio is changing direction. That's actually what we're trying to do here. <laughs> no.
Like, how did it happen in Hairspray, Vic? You know how they were trying to get, like, dark people and white people to dance together? Mm. How did that end up happening in the end? Who convinced who? They just did it, right? They just started doing it, even when they were told not to. Yeah, I think so. In the movie, that, <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> In the movie, I'm referring to. <laughs> um. And they got like on that show where everyone was watching and just did it. Even when like backstage was screaming at them not to. But like we're mm. doing. Bit of force. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's another thing that, like, it shouldn't have been necessary in that <laughs> particular situation. But, like, giving people time to adjust if it's some new out there. Not relevant to Hairspray, obviously, at all. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, if you just go and do something suddenly, like, mm. not everyone's going to be accepting of that. Yeah, like, ease them into it. Yeah. Mm. And then it won't necessarily be seen as such like a big, like some big traumatic change that yeah. they don't want to do. Seems like I've done that to you too. <laughs> no, I was thinking of like what happened in World War II. Oh. Like things that were taken away from the Jews. It was like mm. um, not one day it was like, you can't go to the supermarket and they're like, oh, not too bad. Um and then it's like you can't go to the supermarket and this thing and you can't go to the supermarket and this thing and this thing the next week so mm -hmm. over time they didn't it wasn't like everything's taken away from you and now go into this place uh jail whatever it was like it yeah kind of it was eased on them and they were like it was too late before we realized yeah based on documentaries i have watched yeah the stories i've heard mm -hmm. I don't have anything else unless something kind of says <laughs> triggers it for me. I can see her is like still thinking a little bit. Yeah. So I just <laughs> want to leave maybe like one more minute and thanks to the people listening. But I think that it shows the space of creating the space. So it's important to create the space for this to get the ideas and you can see what happens. So thanks for the sitting with the silence for a bit. This is important. Yeah, all the only other thing I can think of is bombard them with it until it becomes the norm. Because I know for me, it takes me a lot of times, many times to see something for it to be like, oh yeah, I agree with that or like, yeah, sort of thing. But if it's like Victoria said, it's the first time and it's new and it's, yeah. you'd be like, oh, I don't know. And over time, mm. it's easier. Yeah. That's funny though, because while you, when you said that, I was just thinking, don't go overboard with stuff. <laughs> oh like I feel like if some I don't know say there's some movement 
there's posts about it all over social media it's on the news like all mm. that um I think it can end up having like a negative mm. people associated it like with something negative even though they might not even like fully understand what it's about yet but just like right off the bat if they do something like crazy or if it's too full-on mm. that can put people off mm. like joining even Maybe though that's we're not getting anyone to join anything, don't you? Know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's I like in say. the communication, it's like, don't, mm-hmm. it's not bombarding in a kind of repulsive, invasive way. Mm-hmm. You can bombard in a way that it's the way the story's told or the message is told and it's existing everywhere, but it's not like, yeah in a derogatory like get out of my eyesight right now Mm. okay all right I'll put a pause on that thank you so much um that was freaking awesome Hannah like well done to you bloody hell with what you came up Mm. with there it was like very freaking useful for me which I'll explain in a second just um for the people listening I think that's just one thing to remember like is to sit in silence because Hannah said at one point I think that's all I got and then we like sat in silence and then then she went on and probably got more in the second half post saying that so do create the space for people to give that processing time because we wouldn't have all these ideas okay can I can you remember them Hannah or I will read them back very quickly yeah read them back I can't remember no that's all right I'm okay so first of all why I wanted to know this is because I believe the project that we're working on at the moment is actually a movement Mm. and or has the potential to be a movement and what I've looked at is it will directly impact over 70,000 lives so 70,000 lives directly will touch the project that we're working on in some way that doesn't include the people that are like connected to them, like a person that they live with at home or anything like that, right? So I kind of am thinking, well, there's a lot of responsibility with this project and it has a very positive impact on the world. So then I was thinking maybe we should figure out some tactics that we could help leverage to figure out that this is a change in behavior that will happen over time. It's got two years to roll out. So there is, it kind of does sort of feel like it, it is a movement if we get it right and mm. it would be a positive one. So to directly impact over 70,000 lives for us as the instructional designers, this is some of the tactics we need to be thinking about in the work that we're doing. Okay. So we need to recruit people who have been impacted um, and everyone can kind of figure out where it might go. Like that might be like sharing their stories or maybe they're the champions or whatever, but this is just the essence of it. So recruiting people who may have been impacted, build awareness to the masses by exposing them to other thinking, maybe have a slogan to connect them. Um, mm. There needs to be connection within the movement to other people potentially there's a leader that's one of them it needs to make noise for example a protest um you need to make people think you need to connect with people who can make change on their behalf um the resources to do it so time and money etc 
you need to make the new way a habit for people potentially by forcing them at the beginning um how demonstrate how not making the change could impact them and those close to them have speeches so like look at kind of martin luther king and all those sorts of speeches for like the structure and how to then we use our communication um don't be afraid of society um they're convicted to the cause so they're not afraid of society they're convicted to the cause a hundred percent and they express themselves true the true to the belief regardless of the reaction mm. connect with those who have an impact on society so like people of influence like a radio presenter and um, present stats you need to be able to see yourself in the leader the cause the people involved and mm. um, it needs to be in your face to get it like as in it's not happening over there sorry that's what i mean like that it's not happening in america it's happening in queensland australia which is where our solution is targeting um the area that we live in um the solution needs to seem so obvious like it's 100 percent guaranteed to work it's one step to get this result and you need to give evidence of the results early so they have a sense of achievement and continue with you in the movement when you're surrounded by it it becomes your norm and you need to give them time to adjust so ease them into it mm, really good that's cool thank you very much for your contribution to that i'm oh, i'll be taking that to my id stuff this afternoon yay how good hmm. and for the future rest of the project i'm just yeah that's where i was at with this particular task but i think there's lots of potential for the rest of it that we haven't even started yet yeah definitely okay cool. thank you for giving me the time for that i appreciate it oh good all right so my question I'm just going to think it through how to ask it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wanting some inspiration from both of you on how I can treat content mm -hmm. for a course. Yeah. Um, the first thing is how might we train people on how to fill out a form correctly? including like writing responses in an effective way. Um, I think if there's a way to show example responses on the form or even like prompts to start with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Like a little drop down and it has the prompts, like which one of these is it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it just needs to be model answers for me um like the form is filled out for this situation and here is it done where it's going to get the the I don't know the response or the next like approval or whatever the outcome is that needs to be done but it's like situation one and then because I think there's a lot of gray areas so it needs to be situation one and there's potentially three gray areas and they are sample model answers mm. but I think it's about helping people type it out or whatever it's them going that's my situation and I can see there that I just need to kind of copy it and 
a little prompt then that says is a reflective question maybe beyond that where it's like the model answer is there and I've used that and I've done it to the best of my ability using that and now it's like I don't know part a of the form gives them like a reflective question that says are there any other assumptions that might have been might be being made here or sorry have you checked actually maybe it's something like this have you checked that what you've written is based on fact not emotion if you read this what questions would you have before being able to approve it or get the outcome if you receive this form would you have everything you need to do the next step so i think it needs to almost have those prompts like a checklist to go you've done it and then very clearly because we know that these forms are vital and have to be completed but they're not getting completed is being saying on the form if it is not completed to this standard and you feel like if you notice that there's too much emotion not enough fact there's too much um unknowns that this form will come back and the thing that you are trying to prevent from happening will actually not be prevented the timeline is likely to be pushed out by i don't know two weeks and within that two weeks this bad thing is likely to happen the concern that you're reporting in the first place so show them the consequences of not completing the form yeah forms cool. are sent back for sorry i'm on a fucking rant now so um, amazing <laughs> forms are sent back for this reason um for these reasons um these are the the form is not approved for these reasons yeah yeah that's really good take a breath <laughs> and the form cannot be taken seriously too meaning that what they're trying to express doesn't get dealt with yeah yeah okay do you think um it would be effective for learners to practice actually completing one with sample situations no not in uh the compliant oh not in the compliance part of this training okay it's just like a um in the moment resource that helps I think them. it's a just in time thing there is opportunity for me to build on that in a workshop, like a face-to-face -face part that is the capability thing. And it's yep. like, hey, this session that happens three months after you've done your compliance part of the training, we're going to look at those things and yep. do something with it then. Yeah. So that would be something where, yeah, you need to like, let me know to do that say hey Kim I've identified these things there's not potent this is how I'm building capability or not building capability maybe you are and you're like this is what I'm doing but here's some other things that are important but I'm not building capability it's just information providing send it to me because it might fall under my part of the ID role okay so not when I hand over the storyboard right now or any as you're going you probably are going to build a list yeah not right now Yeah, that's a good way to think like there is like you're doing instructional design for this project as well. And you have a lot more opportunity for face to face. So if I think something is better suited for that format, it's better yeah. to let you do that and not double up. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, okay, thank you. So very much. on that one, I was just going to say though, instead of it's not about completing the form, they're not. It's the the context of and the content of what they need to complete in a form is too challenging until you have a situation in front of you. Mm. It's so it's not relatable. Therefore, they're not going to remember it. That's why just in time supports them. So you yep. can say these exist. Um, and then what you could do is the thing that we're figuring that we know is a performance issue right now is people do not complete the forms properly at the moment there and then they get rejected. Yeah. Okay. And it's very bad if they get rejected, the potential for the outcome, if it's rejected is really bad. And it seems like it's a very high percentage that they're getting rejected at. Yeah. So the key behavior that you need to train in the compliance side of it is um that thing around complete it properly because it gets rejected so what you want to help them understand is what might get rejected so you could then have a comparison out of these three sections of the form which one do you think is likely to get rejected out of these three parts of the next part of the form mm. so you get them to figure out what's a good one and what's a bad one yeah yeah cool yeah because awesome. when they see like oh they even they could one could be filled out beautifully really detailed but they've missed ticking a box mm. and that's why it gets rejected so even just the fact like they could be the exact same response actually maybe even the same handwriting or something like that and the only difference is the tick the box and it gets rejected because of that yeah it's like just you must the feedback then is you must fill out all components of the form or it will be rejected yeah yeah good one thank you very much that was amazing good. okay i've got one more question is that everything for that uh yeah that's come up for me thank you cool. all right thank you um all right so the next one is how might we if there are frequently asked questions about a certain topic what's the best way to present them to the learner or have them like accessed by the learner? Downloadable FAQs. Sorry, you go Vic, actually. I've got... I was going to say, I think it depends on like what kind of role they're in because mm. it's whatever's going to be like quickest and easiest for them. Like for me, I would have like it bookmarked on my browser or something. Cause I'd like move around a lot, but someone might have a desk. So then it would be like something you can print off and stick on your wall or mm, yeah. whatever yeah. is like the quickest and easiestly, most mm -hmm. easiest, yeah. most easily accessible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where does it sit? Like, is it on the internet? Is it on the public website? I don't know. Um, but yeah, making sure they're very clear on where it is encourage them to download it so they have it on them all the time yeah um maybe there's the opportunity for like a little help bot mm. that you can say i have this question what do i do and then it's like this resource might be useful yeah um but actually i don't know help bot mm. it's just a uh, because now what's happening for me is like I'm like you just need to know how to search for the information which essentially all intranets have a search bar or a website has a search bar 
So mm. maybe what we need to help them to understand is FAQs are here. If you type in a this kind of phrase, you that's how you get the information. Because I know one of the challenges that we're kind of overcoming as part of this is that um, it's very hard to navigate the information at the moment. So potentially your FAQs are all written if in from the perspective of like, what if, or how do I, or can I, or something like that, where it's first person. And so the behavior you train is um, if you search as if you're asking a question and think, I don't know, think about the keywords or something, just put the keywords in there and it's likely to bring up the FAQs that have the answer. It's likely to find the spot in the 500 page process document that has the answer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. But also I guess that's where, that's where the chatbot type of value does come in because I think what, that's where the cleverness is in. Cause I don't know if we can train everyone to type a good search. So maybe what we do need to do is invest in a, like the problem we're trying to solve is get the information to them, but they don't know how to search. But could the technology be the, the kind of crutch there, which is basically if someone types this, it's figuring out, well, I've picked up, the technology goes, I've picked up these three words. It's either this document, the answer to this question, or potentially this other document. And mm. that's where we have seen that in chatbots where it kind of, pops up and it says is it one of these three things that you're looking for and then you're like actually yes it is and you click access or you say no and then you're a then you're better able to probably slightly search a bit better yeah this is good thinking from my processing out loud by the way just yeah no it is good because i think people don't want to read through long resources of like 100 pages when they have one question they want answered yeah. So it would be nice if they could ask the question and get it like exactly what they're looking for. What about, um, I'm thinking of like, you know, the Christmas, what are they called? Christmas countdown calendars. They have little chocolates in them and stuff. Advent calendars. Yes. Okay. Um, so if you have one of them where it's like the box of like all the little windows that you can open, but I'm, I'm feeling like it's like the process of this particular topic. Um, is there like a little flow chart and then you can like click on it and then it's like these are the questions you likely have at this part in the process mm -hmm. and it's linked it's answering the FAQs in a kind of dynamic way the only challenge is that FAQs kind of always need to have like a one source of truth so we don't want like 50 versions or even two versions or three versions of the FAQs existing in the world can you ask your question again for me please um, how might we distribute or present frequently asked questions to learners or how might they access them? I think there's an opportunity for a Q&A webinar there as well. Mm -hmm. Come with questions you might have. And then that's where like the person presenting the responses can say, hey, look, here is the FAQs, everyone. Mm. So you're just reinforcing the value of them. Because mm. even if that someone says, oh, like, what would I do in this situation? They could literally like screen share 
it's like, well, actually, let me just do that using the FAQs to show that the answer is in there rather than because if oh God, yeah, I'm thinking out loud. I'm kind of going into more detail because of people listening as well. Yeah, because on a Q&A webinar, it's the same thing as what they're doing right now is they pick up the phone for help. But like there can be cues and there's not always access to um, the person on the other end of the phone. And you don't always need to talk to someone on the other end of the phone, but that's the easiest thing now. Mm-hmm. So that's why you pick up the phone. You don't actually look for the, the answer yourself in mm-hmm. a document that it exists in. So when you pick up the phone, the person says, actually, you need to check the processes. And this is where the processes can be found. So you're being pointed back there anyway. So we don't want to train that same behavior through a, a webinar, which mm-hmm. is basically, hey, I'm just a virtual, you're seeing me over the phone. So that's why we'd need to say, okay, if it's a Q&A webinar based on the FAQs, they're going to ask the question and they are going to find it in the FAQs by sharing their screen and then uh, like demonstrating that this is where the information is. And if any question is not asked or not in the FAQs, they literally live update it. They're like, Mm -hmm. that's a good question. Actually, I'm putting it in the FAQs now because someone else is likely to have it. Here's the answer. Yeah. Cool. Mm. yeah. I think it's just again a knowledge. This one doesn't need to be over um, over complicated, but it needs people need to know it exists, mm. and it is presented in the easiest, most accessible way. Whether and what I mean by that is like go onto your internet and it's on the homepage. It's not in a menu down three fucking, I was going to say flight to stairs, whatever you call them, like menu item things. Um, It's just like, you got this concern, like this topic and you've got a question about it, click here and it just opens it straight from the homepage. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's a system thing or an environment thing. I think if we could do those things, bam amazing and so helpful yeah amazing thank you that's so helpful all good all right well thank you everyone for tuning into studio insights we hope you got some potential ideas for your training because it was cool to actually talk about some ideas so hopefully that helps you with some of your projects if it's relevant and on that i'm just going to say we demonstrated how we work as a team and like how freaking amazing we are i just think we are anyway um (laughs) So if you want to hire us and partner with us to work on your projects, we run brainstorming sessions and we help solve problems like this. So check out our website and engage us because this is the exact thing we do for our clients and we can do it for you too. Back to you, Hannah. Thank you for tuning in. That's all I had left to say. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, Could I Be a Better Instructional Designer? that has 
so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating and the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.